His Night Begins, Season 5, Episode 3 You haven't gone to see your father, the man in the simple black kazakh said. They now called him Pastor John, but he was once known by a different name, Angel de la Muerte, the Angel of Death. His weather-beaten face featured patches of hair, surrounding scars as deep as canyons. His eyes were predatory, like those of an eagle scanning the desert for a snake. His stance on the steps of the ancient church exuded the same merciless authority he had once wielded, looming over those who found themselves at the wrong end of his gun barrel. Miguel, who was seated on the steps, watching the parched and barren land that extended for miles, occasionally broken by rebellious cacti that seemed malformed and cursed, did not respond. Tumbleweeds skittered across the baleful landscape. Dust devils appeared, danced in whirls, and dissipated as if they were conjurations summoned and dismissed by the hellspawn who held sway over this domain. A bat flapped against the dilapidated bell tower and seemed to draw him back to reality. I didn't, Miguel said eventually, while his enemies hunted for him like fools in India. Miguel had flown to Mexico for a spiritual consultation with Pastor John, a famed hitman-turned-priest who had once delivered death for the Mortifagos. Only a man drenched in the blood of their enemies, and then the blood of Christ, was qualified to listen to his confessions. The pastor's advice had kept him on the level since his mother's death, and he was the one he came to when the time called. I suppose... You don't want to see him till the mission is accomplished, the pastor said. See, Miguel said. And I have no doubt you will. You were always destined for great things. The drug-addled, delirious boy who wandered into my chamber, wanting to end his life due to the grief of his mother's loss, is no more. What I see before me is the prince who will one day become a king, Pastor John said. Miguel turned and smiled at the pastor, who returned it. Miguel's phone began ringing. Come, it's time for your confession, the pastor said. First, I want you to see what I have done to my greatest enemy, Miguel said. Pastor John smiled coldly. The subdued bloodlust, now veiled by his outward religious calm, subtly emanated through the chill of his smile. The desire to kill sparkled in his eyes briefly. Miguel activated the video call and watched as Alberto Salazar forced Abhinav Pandey to face S.P. Vinaya Prasad. As the minutes ticked by, Vinaya felt the fear draining out of her body. She had accepted the inevitable. This lanky buffoon with shaky hands was going to end her life with a bullet. Abhinav Pandey, who would have thought? 
She always knew someone with influence in politics was supporting the cartel, but they had never managed to sniff out the rat. Alberto Salazar, the well-trained goon her warriors had not managed to capture, held the phone up to stream the event to some distant location. Even before Miguel's smug face illuminated the screen, she had a strong inkling his face would be on the other end. I'm sorry that our first and final encounter unfolds under these circumstances, officer, Miguel remarked. I am not, Vinaya said. Apinov here thought he would betray me by sending you and your hound dogs after me, Miguel said. A shame then that I can think a few steps ahead of you fools. I am in Mexico. A real shame, Benet said. But don't you worry, they will come for you. Oh, I will be flying back tonight. Can't wait to see your threats materialize. Let's be honest, what's going to happen is that this Guruji and Nas Q of yours will be dead in a matter of days. I'm going to bury all the troublemakers deep in the grounds of Indraprastha, starting with you, Miguel said. Abhinav started peeing his pants. Puta madre, this is being filmed for the sake of our pets. Don't embarrass yourself, Alberto growled. Mother Justice has a way of finding her way back to her feet. Killing me changes nothing, Vinay retorted. Let's test that theory, shall we? Shoot, Miguel instructed. <laughs> Abhinav's wails were abruptly cut off when Alberto slapped the back of his head. Do it! The thug screamed. Abhinav's legs wobbled as the gun jerked around in his hands. My patience is being tested. I am so glad I am seated on the steps to the house of my lord, Miguel said. Alberto sighed and stood up and pressed himself against Abhinav's back. He then clasped his finger over Abhinav's on the trigger. He helped the hysterical puppet, shaking in his embrace, to lift the weapon higher. Vinaya experienced a happy memory of picnicking with her parents in Shivaji Park. Then the vast expanse of the city she loved and protected flashed through her mind as if in a drone flyby. Then she thought of Guruji and his steely gaze. There was a promise in it, as if he would set things right. Then her thoughts were ended by a bullet. A woman's mutilated, naked body hung from a bridge on the motorway that provided motorists' access to the western suburbs of Indraprastha. Attached to it was a CD. On it was a label that read, Happy Viewing. Tearfully, Guruji read Vinay's final message for what felt like the thousandth time. I've always known you are my father. 
He lifted his gaze from the phone just as the ceremonial guard fired their rifles. From the shade of a cashew tree, he looked on as his daughter's body, encircled by police and dignitaries, was consumed by flames. The funeral was a lavish affair with politicians and the forces top brass, sparing no expense to demonstrate their deep appreciation for the fallen officer. Dignitaries made speeches on how it felt like one of their own family members had been killed and how they were more determined than ever to quash the menace of the cartel. Guruji didn't believe a word of it. Don't leave any of them alive, a voice said. Guruji turned to face the person intruding on his grief. S.I. Paramvir Singh, a shadow of his former self, stood behind him. Half of his face was covered in bandages. His right arm was in a sling. The once powerful lion had aged a hundred years. Gone was the fierce fire in his eyes. You should see what they did to my wife, he said. Nothing will compare to what was done to my daughter, Guruji said. I know I failed in my duty to protect her. It's on me. She was like a... Palamvir didn't complete his sentence. Tears flowed freely from his exposed eye. She knew in the end that you were... He began. I know, Guruji said. Promise me you will finish them all, he begged. What else is there left for me? Guruji said. The encounter specialist stormed away from the tree clutching his phone in a vice grip that threatened to smash it to bits. As the ceremonial guard fired once more, a gunshot sounded behind him simultaneously, its startling echo bringing Guruji to a standstill. He turned around and saw Paramvir's body slump to the floor, one hand still holding his service revolver. Guruji turned and walked away. David D'Souza, the head of the D'Souza crime family, sat in front of the tarot card reader, fingers pressed against his forehead, as if a headache was clawing at his brain. More of his men had been killed at the Easter markets in a drive-by shootout. His empire was running on fumes now, as the cartel pressed its boots into his throat for the final act. The room, draped in velvet and lit by the glow of antique lanterns, had not changed for the last 40 years. Wind chimes sang in the air. The scent of incense was familiar enough to offer him a quantum of comfort even as he battled grief and anger. Divya, whose silver hair cascaded around her face like a waterfall, gazed at David sympathetically before running her hands down the purple silk robe that hugged her lean figure. She had been the D'Souza clan's spiritual guide for decades, and it pained her to see them in this condition. The custom card deck sat on the table like a Pandora's box. She had crafted them with her own hands, 
They featured unique symbols and illustrations she had gleaned from her shamanic dreamings. It had never led her or a client astray. In fact, she had always believed that it was David not heeding her warning that got the clan in this trouble with the cartel in the first place. Her finger adorned with rings, snaked up to the table and picked a card from one of the three stacks of cards. She placed it flat on the desk. David removed his fingers from the sides of his forehead and eagerly studied it. Divya took in a deep breath and observed the image. A naked woman crowned with flowers, radiating pride and holding a chalice made of human bones. The Queen, David said. What does it mean? Divya closed her eyes and meditated. David eagerly awaited her pronouncement. What did she say? Anthony, David D'Souza's driver slash bodyguard slash brains trust, inquired as they drove away from the spiritual advisor's abode in the black Mercedes. Anthony, with his thick glasses and long curly hair, looked like a skinny nerd preparing for IIT exams. He epitomized the saying that appearances can be deceiving. Anthony's capacity for ruthless violence and his connections within India's traditional crime syndicates had long been invaluable to the D'Souza crime family's success over the decades. His deadly skills and loyalty to David amidst the recent turmoil had kept the crime boss breathing. She said a queen will come to raise us up from the graveyards, David said. What does that mean? Anthony asked. Your guess is as good as mine, David said. That woman occasionally says something useful. Oh, this is one of those occasions, Anthony remarked. She has never been wrong, David said curtly. She had predicted our plight. We got too greedy, ignored her warning, and let the snakes into our nest. There is a file next to you. Have a read. Something interesting is happening in Indraprastha city. Two assassins have been taking on the cartel rather successfully. They were apparently used by the police force secretly, Anthony said. The press would have had a field day with that, David said. The public opinion is divided. People were fed up with the cartel's deeds. They liked that someone was looking out for them, taking out the trash, Anthony said. I came across something about some top cops being murdered there, David said. Yes, it's a bloody mess, Anthony said. By now, the assassins would have been disavowed. No politician would let that farce go on, David remarked as he opened the file. David stared in amazement at the sensitive information contained within those pages. Your ability to dig up classified information amazes me. I have my ways, and I know people. Anthony said with a smile as he navigated a porthole. David chuckled. I think we should reach out to these killers, Anthony said after a beat. And how do you propose we do that, David said. Like I said, I have my ways, Anthony said. <laughs>